Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Good morning. Welcome to God Mode on this Saturday or whenever you're listening or or wherever, all across the the nation and different countries. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I'm hoping and believing that this encourages you, challenges you, and really empowers you to live a life in God Mode where we're living life undefeated because Jesus is really the code that takes us to the next place. You know, we started as kind of a series of talk last week called Christian Atheists. And if you missed that, you may say, wait, wait, really, what is a Christian atheist? Well, what is an atheist? We know that an atheist is someone who does not believe in God. And therefore, if someone does not believe in God, how are they going to live? They're going to live like God does not exist. It doesn't mean that atheists are horrible people. I know some atheists that are very good contributing citizens, and they're great. But we're talking about a Christian atheist. What is a Christian atheist? Well, it's a term I saw in a book one day in a store, and I didn't get a chance to go look at the book or read it, but the title stuck with me, and, and this is what I come up with. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as if God does not exist believes in God, but lives if, live really lives their life is that God does not exist. Last week, we talked about those who believe in God, but do not fear him. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please go back. I believe it's kind of powerful. Today, I'm going to talk about those who believe in God, but don't want to go overboard. I believe in God, but I don't want to be one of those Christians that are like fanatics and all into it, crazy about Jesus stuff. I believe in God, but I don't want to be one of those people who take it too far. In fact, today we're going to talk about out of the book of Revelations. If, and if you want to follow me in your Bible, it's Revelations chapter 3. And I want to give you a little bit of context of what we're going to read about in Revelation 3. In fact, in the book of Revelations, Jesus actually wrote seven letters to seven churches, or he wrote one letter to seven churches. John recorded these letters, and and to six of the churches, Jesus actually said something they were doing well, and then he would correct them. But there was this one particular church where he didn't even give them a bone at all. He didn't say, you're doing good here at all. I mean, he just went straight into the correction and spent the whole time telling them what they were doing wrong. That's the church we're going to look at today, a church known as Laodicea. And let me give you a little bit of history on Laodicea. This was a very, very wealthy city. In fact, 35 years before this letter was written, Laodicea was destroyed by a massive earthquake. Because they were so wealthy, I mean, they really quickly rebuilt everything better than you could imagine. In fact, they were known for their massive theaters, their huge stadiums. They had lavish public baths. I mean, which were really popular at the time. I mean, they had these massive shopping centers. Kind of imagine if you've ever been out to Vegas, just out in the middle of the desert, a city pops up. Or maybe a better example would be Dubai. Boom. 
I mean, there are roller coasters inside of the buildings. I mean, during this time, it was the type of city that was massively wealthy and had everything you could imagine that you would want to live with. But this is what Jesus said to this very wealthy, very blessed group of people. Revelation 3.15, he said, I know, what? He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are really what he says, here's the key word. He says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. He said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 20, Jesus extends really the most amazing invitation. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus, talking to the people in Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds. Not I know what you say you believe, but I know how you live. And there's a difference. How we live actually reflects the true reality of what we believe. I'm not just talking about what you say you believe, but I see how you live. Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. It's a little bit like if you drink a cup of coffee and hot coffee is good, I hear, right? Or if it's really good, or maybe you drink cold coffee and that's good. But coffee that's been sitting out for four hours is not good at all. We don't want lukewarm. What is interesting, if you study about Laodicea, they had some challenges getting water brought to them. They had these long underground pipes and they would ship the water in from the hot springs or the cold springs. What they wanted to do was get the water there as fast as they could because they didn't have microwaves and they didn't have refrigerators. So hot and cold drinks were a real premium. You know, at the religious festivals, what they would do is they would serve drinks before people would prepare their hearts to make their sacrifice. So if you were an important person, if you were a noble person, if you were the most wealthy person, or if you were considered highest in society, you, you got to drink first so that you would get one that was hot or you would get one that is cold. But if you weren't so important, you didn't get it first, you got more toward the end of the line, so it was very lukewarm. So when he used this language, it was more than just Hey, you're lukewarm. It was speaking to the fact that you're really being dishonored by being at the back and you're not really even pursuing me and you're, you're not that important in this case at all. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but instead you are lukewarm. In verse 16, let's look at it again. He says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to do what? He said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, the word spit comes from a Greek word that is only used one time in all the Bible. It actually means to spit. It means to vomit. It means to utter rejection. It means supremely repulsed. 
I mean, if you've ever had food poisoning, which I kind of believe I recently just had, I mean, your body goes through it. It is violent. It was terrible. I mean, it's gross. I mean, it doesn't matter which hole everything is coming out. I mean, you've got to plug it, plug it. I mean, it's nasty, but it's your body. You deal with this text. You've got to come to the reality of this vision and this, this thought process. If you've ever thrown up, it isn't fun. It's nasty. Your body's saying, I'm rejecting this, and it's got to come out. What Jesus is saying is, when you don't show any passion at all, when you're apathetic, when you are complacent, when you are comfortable in your pursuit, I can't stomach that. I reject it. I am repulsed by it. From the deepest part of me, I can't tolerate it, and I vomit that out. I spit that out. I spew it out. I completely, supremely am repulsed by this. Now, how many of you know what an oxymoron is? Oxymoron. What is an oxymoron? It's when you take two different words that are actually opposite and then you put them together. That's an oxymoron, like act naturally, genuine imitation, tight slacks, jumbo shrimp. All right, you get it. I mean, airline food, government efficiency. <laughs> All right, I know. Again, took it probably a little too far. Perhaps the greatest oxymoron in the history of the world would be lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm disciple of Christ. Lukewarm follower of the Son of God. Lukewarm Christian. Now, what is a lukewarm Christian? We could talk about all sorts of different ways to describe it, but I thought we, I would do this. I just put together a list of seven qualities of lukewarm Christians. I mean, we could probably come up with a list of 70 different qualities, and you could make your own, but I just chose, kind of based on my experience as a pastor and just working with people over the past 25 years on spiritual issues, I chose seven of what I would consider some of the more common issues of those who are lukewarm. Chances are when you see these different qualities, you'll think, I know someone who is like that. They believe in God, but they don't want to go overboard. Some of you, if you're real honest, you might even say, oh my goodness, I see myself in some of these as well. So what are some of the qualities of those who would be a lukewarm Christian? First one, and if you're taking notes, this is it. They crave acceptance from people more than acceptance from God. Timothy in the Bible said, in the end days, there would be people who are lovers of themselves. We live in a very real self-centered generation, don't we? I mean, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Do you like my shoes? Do you like my kicks? Do you like my house? Do you like my hair? Do you like it? I mean, we're all so consumed about it. I'll give you another angle. Please approve me, right? Please like my picture. Please tell me I fit in. Hey, if you don't like me, I'll conform my morals to your morals because I want you to love me. I want you to accept me. Jesus actually said, and he said, be aware when all men speak well of you. If everyone speaks well of you, you're not really following Jesus. And yet so many of us, without even knowing it, if we're really truly living for the approval of people rather than the approval of God, a lukewarm Christian craves the approval of people more than the approval of God. Secondly, a lukewarm Christian rarely shares their faith. 
They rarely share the goodness of God with other people. Why? So many reasons, right? We, we don't want to be weird. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to offend people. Honestly, I would argue at the heart of it, it's because we don't really believe in the power of the gospel that transforms lives. Because if we really believe this, then we would get over our fears and we would pray every day that God would help us to share our faith so that we would have the fullest of everything that Christ wants us to have. Yet we don't do it. Jesus was very clear about this. He said, if you confess me before men on earth, I will confess you to my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before people on earth, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. Lukewarm Christians rarely share their faith. Number three, lukewarm Christians rationalize their sin. They rationalize their sin. We live in this day where literally people rebrand and rename sin so it's not as bad. You know, adultery. It's not adultery now. It's an affair. It sounds better, doesn't it? It's an affair. Pornography is, it's, it's what? Adult entertainment. I mean, it sounds so much better, right? Profanity. It's adult language. Hey, kids, when you grow up, you can drop the F-bomb, but you're 12, so don't drop the F-bomb now. But when you're an adult like me, then you can use adult language. I mean, we're rebranding and renaming sin. So what do people do? Well, it's easy to say, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, or it's my life. I can do whatever I want. Who are you to judge me? Stay out of my life. This isn't hurting anybody anyway. They rationalize sin all day long. Number four, the lukewarm Christian thinks more about life on earth than eternity in heaven. I mean, they're consumed with life on earth, not eternity in heaven. There's a guy in the Bible named Paul. He said something crazy. Do you know what he said? He said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Did you hear that? To be on earth, that's for me to represent Christ. To die, I go to heaven. That's better. That's the way better way. There's a big gain. One day I'm going to die and one day I'm going to go to heaven. What do we see on earth now? I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'd rather be 105 and wear diapers than die. I mean, we're consumed with earth. It's all about the things of this world. I need more things and things and things. We're in love with the things of this earth instead of the God who created everything. Lukewarm Christians are more consumed with this world than they are with the eternity to come. Number five, lukewarm Christians only turn to God when they need something. Oh, they will turn to God. We will do that, won't we? But when things are good, who really needs God? The weather is out. It's great. Our kids are healthy. Nobody's fighting. We've got money to pay the bills. Everything is good. Then whoops, somebody has cancer. So we'll pull out the God tool out of our toolbox. Oh yeah, God, we got somebody who has cancer. We need you. Okay, chemotherapy work. We don't need you now, God. Put him back aside. Everything's good. Everything's good. Uh-oh, my kids are having trouble. Pull God out of the toolbox. God, I need you again. We believe in God and we will use him for our benefit. 
but we are not in a daily relationship with him because a lukewarm Christian will call on God only when they need something. Here's number six. The lukewarm Christian will give whenever it's convenient. I'll give if I look good. I'll give if it doesn't impinge on my standard of living. I'll give if I want to. But oh my gosh, don't you dare ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Don't push me. Why? Because this is my stuff, my money, my things, mine, 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 mine. You know, the committed follower of Jesus realizes it's, it's God's, God's, God's. But the lukewarm Christian says, mine, 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 mine. We like to talk about that kind of stuff because that's my business. That's not yours. Stay off that subject. Here's number seven. The lukewarm Christian, honestly, they are not that much different than the rest of the world. They're not that much different than other people. Let's be honest. The lukewarm Christian watches the same movies as everybody else, listens to the same music as everybody else, uses the same filthy language on the golf course when the ball goes in the grass as everybody else. I mean, they have the same morals as everybody else. They raise their kids kind of like everybody else. They get divorced just as often as everybody else. Why? Because we're just like everybody else. It's comfortable Christianity. It's comfortable. It's, I want all of what God has for me, but I don't want to follow what he wants me to do. I want enough of Jesus to get me into heaven and to keep me out of hell, but not so much of Jesus that it makes me into one of those people that are fully consumed with all that spiritual stuff. Jesus calls this kind of a person lukewarm, and it makes him want to vomit. He can't stomach it. It repulses him. You know, one of the reasons why I can kind of pinpoint with some accuracy what a lukewarm Christian looks like is because there have been times in my relationship with Jesus where I have been a very, very lukewarm. I will open up to you. I'll tell you about one of the darkest time in my spiritual journeys. It's when I became a Christian, I was on fire like nobody's business. Obnoxious, wearing Jesus shirts that look like Coca-Cola. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's the real thing. I mean, I had a Jesus watch with the old blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. I mean, you didn't even know they had these watches. That's how crazy it was. A Jesus watch, okay? I'm all in. Then I got hired as a youth pastor full-time. It was my dream come true. My, my God, I mean, I get to serve God full-time in ministry. I mean, I just visualized that this is going to be amazing. Bible studies every day. We're going to walk in and holy music is going to be playing and the presence of God is going to be swirling around the place. I mean, my Bible will probably hover above the desk. It will turn magically and sermons will write themselves. People will be loving and they're all nice because they're church people, right? All church people are nice, right? I didn't realize that it was a job, you know. It was like you had to work and it was hard work. What happened to me is tragically, I let the ministry work replace my relationship with God. You know, one of my heroes said that I was doing the work of God, destroyed the work of God in me. Listen to that. I was doing the work of God, but it destroyed the work of God in me. That's what happened to me. The way I was doing the work of God destroyed the work of God in me. Honestly, I would read the Bible to preach, not for personal devotion. 
There was a time I honestly think I probably prayed as much or more publicly as I did privately, and that wasn't a lot. You get up and you do the pastoral prayer. I would tell people I'm praying for you, praying for you, praying for you, but I rarely did. I had to show on the outside, but inside I was very hollow. The phrase that came to me when I kind of realized this, I felt almost like God showed me this. The phrase was, you become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. A full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. I recognize that most of the people listening here, that very few of you probably are pastors because you're not going to take the time or vocational ministry, but that phrase could very well hit many of you, that you become a full-time mom and a part-time follower of Jesus. You're a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Jesus. You're a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. You know what I'm saying. You can put it into anything that you really focus most of your time on. You know, when I woke up and I was a great oxymoron, a lukewarm Christian, not hot, not cold, just comfortable, complacent in my relationship with Jesus. Tragically, that is where so many people are. I've had some series that it's actually far easier to be a lukewarm Christian where I live than in many parts of the world. And I'll tell you why. In fact, it is so easy to be a Christian where I live right now. I mean, I live in Texas, it's, and that's, it's almost difficult to be a true one. I'm going to say that again because I want that to sink in. It is so easy to be a Christian where I live in the Bible Belt. It's so expected to be a Christian here. It is so easy to be a Christian here that it's almost difficult to be a true one. The good news is there are places all over the world that when you are a follower of Jesus, it means something because it will cost you. It, co- it could cost you your job. It could cost you your reputation. There are places in the world as we know it that could cost you your head, right? It could cost you your life. As horrible as that is, there is almost a blessing in that persecution because when we are persecuted, we become stronger. When suddenly, even in the part of my world, as it started to become a little more difficult to be a Christian, where people are starting to push back and starting to hate and really even more criticize, suddenly it makes you either say, you know what, I'm in or I'm not. When you're in, you're in. And when you recognize that Jesus really did for you and it means something, you can't be lukewarm. I know right now there are those of you in countries all around the world that are listening. When you say the name of Jesus, it means something. When you meet another brother or sister in Christ, you're not fighting with them because you need them to survive. As it becomes even more difficult where I live, my theory is that the true church will be strengthened and people will take a stance. Either no, 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 I'm not going to go that far, Or you know what? Yes, I do believe. And I want to fully commit my life to the one that gave it all to me. Jesus was talking directly into a culture that is so similar to ours today. Worldly wealth, theaters, shopping centers, stadiums. We have so much in so many parts of the world that it's almost like you don't feel like you need God. He said this. He said, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I don't need a thing, but you don't realize you're wretched, 
pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, quick question. Was he talking to Christians or not? He said lukewarm. He didn't say lukewarm Christian. We added that phrase. Is he talking about those that are lukewarm? Were they lukewarm followers of Jesus or not? You tell me. Here's what he calls them. Wretched. Hmm. That doesn't sound like real Christian. Poor, pitiful, blind, or naked. About right now, if God is doing what God does so lovingly, there are those who you that are feeling gently conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, and you recognize, maybe I believe in God, but I really don't know him because I am not fully committed to him. What do you do if that's you? Let me tell you, simple, real simple. Open the door of your heart and invite Jesus in. It's that simple. Open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life, come in now, because that's what Jesus said in verse 20. I'm going to look at it again. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I'm here. If you open up, I'm ready to come in. If anyone hears my voice, hey, it's me, Jesus. I love you. I want to come in. I gave my life for you. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here's the thing. You don't have to get cleaned up first. You don't have to make life right first. You don't have to get it all perfect first. You let him come in. He comes in and you say, here I am. And he comes right as you are, just as you are. And he loves you because that's what he came to do. He accepts you, but he doesn't leave you there. He transforms you and suddenly your sins are forgiven and you are no longer the same. You become a new creation and the old is gone and everything is new. If you said, I've, I've done that, I've opened it in my heart to Jesus and I asked him to come in, but you're not different or new, you may have to ask yourself, did you really make that commitment? I mean, there are those of you that hear the voice, you hear him, let's him, he's knocking, he's knocking, and he simply wants to come in. If you hear his voice and open up your life, you'll come in. For those of you saying, well, I've done that, I know him, but I'm comfortable, I'm complacent. What do you do? Let me tell you what you do. Here's what you do. You recognize Jesus is still there and you just run to him. That's what you do. You just run to him right now. You just pursue him. You give him. You tell him, I want you. I want to be close to you. I need you. Because when you seek him, you will find him. He has not left you. He is there and you just run to him. What do you do if you recognize that you don't know him? You listen to that voice and you open up your heart to him. For those of you who may not know him or your love has grown cold, just run to him today because your heavenly father loves you and he loves when his children come to him. He's ready to embrace them and therefore pursue him. Because you know who he is and you know what he has done, then you crave acceptance from him and you don't need acceptance from this world. Suddenly, guess what happens? You begin to share your faith all the time because you know that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. And you know that in him through the cross, there is forgiveness of sin. Then suddenly you recognize that what is your own is not your own. It's, a, it's set for a tool for God to use to make a difference in the world. Everything that you have is his. You don't rationalize sin. I mean, you confess it quickly. You ask the Holy Spirit to transform you. Why? Because you are being conformed into the image of Christ. 
And you don't live for this world because this world is not your home. You are an ambassador of the highest ranking diplomat sent by God from heaven to this earth. And you are on a mission and there is no part of you that will cause God to puke you because you are on fire. You are on fire and he loves when you pursue him. So tragically, we live in a world where there are many people today who are comfortable in their Christianity. Yeah, I believe in God, but I don't want nothing to do with all that Jesus go, go, go stuff. I'm not that born again type. I'm more than you know. I want what he has for me, but let's call it good there. When you recognize who he is and you recognize what he's done, that God became flesh in the person of Jesus and gave his life so that we could live, your only reasonable response is all of me, all of me. Because you gave your life for me, I choose to give my life for you. I am all in. There's going to come a time, mark my words, when you are going to have to make the decision. Either you are all in or you're out. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, they will be strengthened. I'm going to follow him with all of my heart, all of my life, because he gave his life for me. You know, I pray today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will really, God, come and strengthen our church that, God, there are pockets of those who are lukewarm in a world where it is so easy to be distracted by the theaters and the stadiums and the shopping malls and all of that stuff. Promise to fill us, yet really leave us empty. God, we choose to run to you at the door and ask for your grace and your presence. God, we want you to be in a living relationship with you that we would know you and pursue you with all of our hearts. God, just help us, Lord. If you recognize as you listen today and the Spirit of God has come and convict you and really say, oh, you know what, I truly am just a lukewarm Christian. Just run to him today. Let's make a change. Let's become passionate, on-fire Christians. No, we're not going to be perfect. There will be seasons. But our heart needs to be toward him. Our spirit needs to be after him. And everything that we need to do looks toward him. So I hope today that maybe something here has challenged you, but hopefully encouraged you and empowered you to live a life differently in God mode. Let's no longer just be a Christian atheist, but let's be one that is on fire for God. Hope that today blessed you. We will see you next week. Have a great day and share this message. I know there are many people that God would love to hear this message. I'm so happy that we've already been heard in over 63 nations. God is doing a thing with God mode. It's just amazing. I always stand amazing. As you have listened, you know it's not about me. And I know a lot of you say, yeah, that's true. But God is doing something. When you put your heart out there, he will use it. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.